Institute for Vaishnava Studies at University of Florida and uh, Santa Fe College. He runs that program there. He'll give class today.
ಜ್ಞಾನಾಂಜನಶಲಾಕಯಾ ಚಕ್ಷುರುನ್ಮಿಲಿತನ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಶ್ರೀಚೈತನ್ಯಮನೋಭೀಷ್ಟೂತಲೆ ಸ್ವಯಂ ಕದಾಮ್ಯಂ ದಾತಿ ಸ್ವಪದಾಂತಿಕೇಹಂ ಶ್ರೀಗುರುಸುಯುತಪದಕಮಲಂ ಶ್ರೀಗುರು ವೈಷ್ಣವಾಂಶ್ಚ ಶ್ರೀರೂಪಂ ಸಾಗ್ರಜಾತ ಸಹಗನ ರಘುನಾಥಾನ್ವಿತ ಸ್ತಂಸಜೀವ ಸಾಧ್ವೈತ ಸಾವಧೂತ ಪರಿಜನ ಸಹಿತ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣಚೈತನ್ಯದೇವ ಶ್ರೀರಾಧಕೃಷ್ಣಪಾದಿತಾಷ್ಣುಪಾದ ಭೂತಲೆ ಶ್ರೀಮತೆ ಭಕ್ತಿವೇದಾಂತಸ್ವಾಮಿನೀತಿಮಸ್ತೆ ಸರಸ್ವತಿ ದೇವೆ ಗೌರವಾಣೀ ಪ್ರಚಾರಿಣೆ ನಿರ್ವಿಶೇಷಶೂನ್ಯವಾದೀ ಪಶ್ಚಾತ್ಯೇಷತಾರಣಿ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭುನಿತ್ಯನಂದ ಶ್ರೀಅದ್ವೈತಗದಾಧರ ಶಿವಾಸಾದಿ ಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ ಹರಿ ರಾಮ ಹರಿ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಆಲ್ ಐ ಲೈಕ್ ಟು ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಎವ್ರಿಬಡಿ ಹೂ ಇಸ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ಟುಡೇ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ನೂನ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಕಿಕಿಂಗ್ ಆಫ್ a very remarkable and important event in vaishnava history which is the 150th appearance anniversary of his divine grace shrila bhakti siddhanta saraswati goswami prabhupada there are many grand disciples of saraswati thakur present here and i'd like to offer my heartfelt obeisances to them first i consider myself a great grand disciple and as i meditate on this event i realize that many of us struggle so hard in life just to make ends meet pay our bills we get burnt out and then we go back to the grind and in this way life passes us by and after we die we are mostly forgotten at best some family members keep a picture of us for one or two generations and that is it but for somebody to be remembered over generations suggests that they must have contributed something very important we remember the name of people like abraham lincoln george washington at least in america in india we think of mohandas karamchand gandhi we hear of martin luther king junior and these people we know have left a certain mark in history correct in the arena of historical superstars i must admit that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is not well known as much as say Martin Luther or Benjamin Franklin or these people and by the end of another 25-30 minutes I want to share some thoughts about his contribution and let you decide for yourself whether it is worth making the effort of making him better known because it is only by the effort of average people like us that great souls who have set a great example and have left behind their teachings become known 
And I want to start with asking a very simple question because it kind of sets the background for Saraswati Thakur's life and works. How many of us have heard about the caste system? Do you know how the caste system works? Anybody? So, sorry? If you have a microphone, we can pass it around. Hare Krishna. By birth? By birth. You're born into a family and then you're considered the same caste as that family. Yes, but what does that imply? You're born into a family and for the rest of your life you're stuck in that same caste. Prabhuji wants to add a point. family that the person is born into has a certain um, status in society and a certain position in society. So they, uh, different families uh, do different things in, in, uh, and, uh, for their livelihood and, uh, and, and their status is attached to that. So, so you said birth and then you said status, right? Yeah. So caste system is essentially where your status is tied with your birth and your worth is decided by your birth. Is it fair? But is or was it a fact of life? When Saraswati Thakur was born, Bengal was a heavily caste-ridden society. That means, if you were the son of a Brahmana, no matter what kind of criminal activities you did, you were exonerated because of your caste. You just knew all the powerful people and they would save you. Whereas, if you were low caste, you wouldn't be allowed to do certain things. And Saraswati Thakur was one of those people who was born in a caste called the Kayastha caste. And you know what the Kayasthas were told? You are not eligible to study Sanskrit in college. They were banned from learning. Saraswati Thakur's father was a deputy magistrate, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And even though the British government gave him a good position in the administration of those times, when it came to traditional society, even though his preaching exploded, he was not allowed to initiate because he was the wrong caste. And once you are the wrong caste, people wouldn't dine with you. And in certain communities where the rules were followed very strictly, if you were a low caste person and somebody stepped on your shadow, they would be considered impure. They had to go take bath in the Ganga, they had to do certain rites before they would be accepted back in society. I want to narrate a story from the Chaitanya Charitamrita that explains how caste works. The rules were so strict that if somehow you got touched by food that was getting eaten by a low caste person, you lose your caste and all your caste members would ostracize you. You would no longer belong to that community. If you crossed over the ocean and left Indian borders, 
you would lose your caste. And so when Mahatma Gandhi went to study law in London, he first had to go to his caste guild and formally say, I am giving up my caste, I will not keep connection with this community anymore, thank you. And they officially expelled him and then he could go. So in this situation, Saraswati Thakur made a very simple point. He said, it is one's worth, not birth, that defines your eligibility for anything you want to achieve. And I had the good fortune of being a doctorate student at the University of Chicago for seven years where I wrote a dissertation called Vaishnavism and the West. And for seven years I immersed myself in studying Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur to really understand what they wanted to do. And it struck me that these great personalities were trying to drill sense in a world that was essentially quite senseless. Nobody can deny the fact that every living being experiences fear from time to time. You know, if an ant is walking and carrying its food and you put your finger there, the ant will get scared. If a bird is sitting on your porch and you come close to the bird, the bird will get scared. So fear is a fundamental aspect of being alive. And very often, fear is false evidence appearing real. Have you heard of this before? F, false, E, evidence, A, appearing, R, real. When we look at stuff and we don't know what's, what we are seeing, you know, that thing is called illusion. So we are living our human lives and we experience fear because of illusion. And because of this illusion, when we experience fear, we do not hesitate to go and cause pain and suffering in others because that will invoke fear in them. Right now, as we sit in this room, there is a war going on in the Middle East. There is a war going on in Ukraine and Russia. The US and UK are bombing people in Somalia, the Houthis. Why are these wars happening? It is happening because human beings have two things. One, they are afraid that if I do not gather the resources on my side and protect myself, somebody is going to come and destroy me. Fear. And when you have fear, there is one more thing that happens. There is a total breakdown of trust. So when Srila Saraswati Thakur was in his thirties, the first world war broke out, 1914. His father passed away, his spiritual master passed away, the two of the dearmost people in his life were gone. He himself was so frustrated with the state of the world that he decided, I am going to sit in Mayapur which was essentially a large forested area and I would just sit and chant one billion holy names of the Lord 
This is the best thing I can do at this point. His Gurudev had told him, don't go to Calcutta. Just stay in a holy place. Take care of yourself. But right after these events, he decided that the state of the world is such that he had to go out and do his bit. It was in a political situation where your caste, your birth, decided your worth. And so that's where he started his reform movement. He was a great mathematician, he was a great astronomer, but he realized that the root of human problem is somewhere else. The root of human problem is that we are covered in such a way we don't even recognize who we are. And because we do not know who we are, we live in ignorance and fear. And massive world wars happen because of this reason. The leaders who are leading people, either into peace or into war, do not have spiritual knowledge. And this is why this cycle of endless violence keeps perpetuating. And so Saraswati Thakur, with the help of certain followers and disciples, rented a small place in Calcutta. And he said, I'm open to talking to anybody who wants to come and talk to me. And he started publishing tracts and books. And this is how the modern Krishna consciousness movement began. In 1922, which year is this? 2020. So exactly 102 years back. Among the people who came to see him was a very defiant political activist. You know who I'm talking about? Okay, we'll find out. A very defiant political activist who was a part of the Congress movement. You know what the Congress is? The British people were ruling India. When they came, India was contributing about, I think, seven, six, there is economic history of India on this. I don't have the exact statistics in my mind right now. But about 70% of the world's GDP came from India. By the time it was 1920s, only 2% of world's GDP came from India. So India's wealth was sucked out within a span of 200 years during the British Empire. And Indians began to form political parties to fight for their rights and the Congress party was the largest voice in that movement and <coughs> excuse me, young people were joining the Congress movement left, right and center and the person I am talking about came to Sri Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur and said, who will listen to your mysticism? Who will listen to the message of Mahaprabhu? India is still under British subjugation. Our wealth is being sucked out. We are held at gunpoint. We are a country of 350 million ruled by maybe 300,000. And you know what Saraswati Thakur said? Um, by the way, I'm talking about Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada was an activist in the Gandhian movement. He came and saw Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati and said, who will listen to your message of Mahaprabhu? And he said, do you realize that the, mess, that the movement of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is much bigger than the movement of Gandhi? Much, much bigger. And it is much more scientific and it is much more composite and wholesome because Gandhi is only thinking about certain people in India. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu thinks about all living entities around the world. There is a difference. In being kind to certain people who are your own people, you think, you will end up being unkind to others. There is no formula that encompasses everybody. But more than that, but more than that, 
the solutions that Gandhi or whoever else is providing comes from the same level at which the problems were created. If you want to do non-cooperation, people will stop wearing British garments. People in Britain will start losing their jobs. So no matter what you try to adjust in this material world, there will be a problem. However, if you bring spiritual solutions to material problems, then you are actually looking at a redemption that politicians and intellectual leaders and bureaucrats cannot provide. The solution is there in this book called Srimad Bhagavatam. And over generations, this book has proven again and again that looking for material solutions to material problems creates more material problems. Looking for spiritual solutions to material problems actually brings solutions. Right? And Srila Prabhupada has demonstrated that at least on a small scale. Now let's think about it. About 140 or 150 years back, do you know there were no visas? Now if an Indian person wants to come to America, he has to stand in line, you know, to invest money, there is no guarantee. Sometimes a child is falling sick here, the parents want to come and see them, they can't come. Right? And we have actually divided the world up in, by three narrow domestic walls. And since the European expansion across the world, we have nation states, many, many nations, who have constantly been at war with one another. Constantly been at war. And just because we are sitting in a peaceful place today, doesn't mean that someday we are not going to face this. There are so many members in our community here in Lachua who has escaped war. And it is difficult. Till date, there has been no permanent solution to this. Except, there was one time, about 500 years ago, when India was divided into many, many kingdoms. On the north, there was the Delhi Sultanate. On the east, there was the Shahi dynasty. Right south of Shahi dynasty, there was the Gajapati dynasty. And they were at constant wars with each other. But you know what happened even in the middle of those wars? There were a group of intellectuals in a town called Navadvip. And we chant their names every day. Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Srivasadi Gaur Bhakta Vrinda. Sri Krishna Chaitanya who was known as Vishwambhar Mishra was a professor of grammar and logic. Advaita Acharya was a professor of philosophy. The other Pandit was a professor of epics, Bhagavata. Srivash Thakur was a professor, and Nitananda Prabhu's father was a professor, Harai Pandit, and he had an education while traveling. So they came together and they were in, you know, they saw the kind of difficulty that people were in. And they realized that there is a medicine to this. The medicine is very counterintuitive. You think that it is not going to work, you know, how can just sitting and chanting or singing be the medicine? But they said, this is the medicine. It is the most unconventional medicine, but it is also the most effective medicine. It is when people come together and sing the Mahamantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. 
and they got out on the streets and they began singing and dancing and very soon you know what Mahaprabhu did he invited the prime minister and finance minister of his kingdom to join him and took them to the enemy kingdom and within a short few years they organized the movement in such a way that millions and millions of people who were otherwise who would have been a part of the army and fought each other were on the street singing and dancing and just by the singing and dancing and feasting he diffused the situation in his times and people lived full beautiful lives in service of the Lord and many about 400 years later Srila Prabhupada points out that even Mahatma Gandhi was copying what was there in Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Because when I saw footage from the Salt March, you know what the Salt March is? Anybody? Who has never heard of the Salt March? I'll briefly narrate. So back in the 1920s and 1930s, the British government made it illegal for Indians to make salt in India unless they were paying tax to the British. So for simple thing, it was illegal to make needles in India. You couldn't make it, you had to be dependent on the British for everyday needs. And so Gandhi decided that, you know, we are going to break the law. So he gathered hundreds and thousands of people, he marched for one month, and he went to the ocean, and he made salt, and he said that, you know, now you can put me in jail. And so many of us want to make salt together that you wouldn't have enough jails to fill us. And it caught people's imagination and they actually did that. And when I was watching the footage of the salt march, you know what I noticed? That these hundreds and thousands of people were on the street singing and dancing to Kirtan. It was the Sankirtan movement. The difference is, during Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's time, the peace that came from the Sankirtan movement and the political situations that were diffused was a byproduct. But in many situations, the Sankirtan movement was used for political purposes. That's not the best use of the Sankirtan movement, but you know, it has happened. And you know, in America, when Martin Luther King was starting up, King Jr. was starting up his civil rights movement, you know what he did? He went to India and he studied what Gandhi was doing and he came and implemented the same thing here. Americans know about this famous speech, I have a dream. They know the song, We Shall Overcome. They, what they don't know is that the roots of that movement that brought hope to the disenfranchised comes from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Okay. So very often we find that the world is more attracted to beautiful half-truths than inconvenient truths. And Saraswati Thakur was one person who would not hesitate to present the inconvenient truth because he knew it stands the test of time. And as we gather today to hear about his life and activities over the next few days, I want to request you to think what we could do to extend and expand his legacy because at the end of the day, we are his spiritual grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Okay. With that, I want to pause today and thank you very much for giving me a patient ear. And I want to open up the floor for any questions, comments, corrections, suggestions, or anything you might have to say. If you have a few words to share, glorifying Sri Saraswati Thakur, please feel free. And then Mother Vegamati. I was just going to ask what the original purpose of the caste system is it kind of a degraded system of Varnashram, is that correct? Is it diving yes. to diving to trainer like 
there was a reason for everybody had a, a purpose, right? And at that purpose, whoever they, wherever they were, was to serve, serve the Lord. Absolutely. The idea behind the Varnashrama system, Krishna says, Chatur Varna Maya Srishta. The four classes, the four categories have been created by me based on guna karma, based on what their talents are, guna, what their capacities are, and what their activities are like. But some people hold on to a different meaning of that verse, which says that your gunas are your qualities and qualities are forever. And you have bad karma, therefore you are born in a bad low caste, right? How did, how did that happen? Like, was, was you know, it just something that happened in Kali Yuga? Where it's the, this is the nature of the material world. Everything is constantly degrading. Like, you know, we have to clean our house from time to time. We clean our house and, you know, two days later the dust is everywhere. Right? <coughs> Excuse me. It is for this reason the Lord and His representatives have to appear periodically. Yada yada hidharvasya. So the idea of Varnashrama is division of labor. That means there are some people who are naturally talented to think and lead and earn money. And then there are others who are unskilled laborers. So Varnashram is an equal opportunity system. No matter who you are, you will find a place in society. That's what original Varnashram is. But what happens is, sometimes people become attached to two things. Entitlement and dignity. So those who are in a higher caste somehow start feeling that, oh, I feel nice being a higher caste. I should do whatever it takes to pass it on to my children. And so without the proper qualification, they get their children to enjoy the entitlement and the dignity without doing the hard work. That is the caste system. And you know, so many devotees have Brahman initiation. We wear the Brahmin thread. This was started by Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur to prove a point. And Srila Prabhupada, you know, within India, only Brahmins by birth could wear a thread. And Saraswati Thakur said, no, anybody who is studying Shastra can wear the thread. Hmm? Thank you. Yes. Hare Krishna Guru. Hare. I was not there for the whole class, but I came at the point where you said material problems cannot be solved at the same level. So we work in the corporate sector and we cannot implement the spiritual solutions on the material platform. Hmm. Is there any practical things you can suggest? Because you know, when we start being very too humble, then they'll take advantage of us. Humility, uh, first of all, thank you for the question. It's a very good question. Spiritual solutions are like a pharmacy. Material problem is also a catch-all term, like all diseases. If you have a broken rib and you are putting Tylenol, it won't work, right? So solutions that we provide have to be specific. At the end of the day, we can call it corporate, we can call it government, we can call it whatever we may. We are dealing with people. And people have goals, ambitions. It's just that corporate means a certain culture. There is a shared language. Formally, there is a shared goal, but everybody, you know, in a private corporate, it's a rat race, right? You have all these provisions of actually making progress. You're going to, you know, if it's a MNC, you're going to earn this much about this time. You know, either after that you go up or you go out. Right? But say you are trying to solve a problem. You're, you know, you're having late nights. You're working weekends. And people are frustrated. They are basically trying to see who can exploit who. So that I can take the time out you know, let's put the work on this ullu, right? 
that is where spiritual solutions become important so spiritual solution means to first of all what is spirit right we have to recognize that the spirit is beyond the corporate uniform beyond the male uniform beyond the whatever uniform we wear there is a living force and that living force is more emotional than rational that is bhakti vedanta by the way the vedanta that says that we are less rational more emotional and emotions have their own logic to soften anybody's heart at that point right where you explain that you are on the same side to sit down together and see okay he where is the big picture of what we are doing maybe you are manufacturing bowls for it going but when you sit down and say okay here is the thing i do but this is a greater contribution i am making here is how we can connect on a human level here is how to avoid problems that is a practical implementation of spiritual solutions in a material context i work with now business leaders you know i know i mean uh, i met somebody who had a was a large scale manufacturer in michigan you know rail coach manufacturer and his whole staff had unionized and decided that he is going to kill the owner whatever right in that situation you know being humble doesn't mean letting people trample all over your head if you look at mahaprabhu's example trinadapi sunichena what does a grass do you trample over it it bows down and then it stands up again and starts doing its own job so the grass knows where to bow down and the grass knows how to not get affected people get affected because they take things too seriously and they they take things emotionally right if you are in control of your emotions then who's the boss right at the end of the day even the ceo or forget the ceo the highest shareholder in a company is a human being they are dealing with their own problem nobody is spared in this material world they might appear invincible invincible but they are not so if we are able to go beyond all these external trappings and at some point you know recognize the spirit soul you don't have to preach by your own example they will become spiritual right and sometimes some simple things as being responsible is the most spiritual thing we can do it it affects you know being responsible is hard but if in your corporation they know that this person is the most reliable the most responsible and even though sometimes we you know make fun of him because he is a you know hari krishna devotee without this person we'll go blind they will respect you i know so many people that you know have come to devotional service they have come to me prabhu you know i work in corporate and if you don't drink alcohol we are an outcast right it is a thing we have to do i said you know for a few times you just tell them no i don't drink alcohol i am happy to have a spite with you so first three times they will make fun of you fourth time they will respect you who's the winner right and so every situation is different but at the end of the day people are people souls spirit souls are spirit souls you know you do kirtan in front of cows they will start dancing there's some connection right so if despite you know think of it this way whatever we are doing is acting in a drama but while you are acting in a drama your mother remains your mother so everybody knows corporate drama and radharani is our mother right so as long as we are able to look at these two things in a uh, in a clear way in our head create a, a lattice work in your mind you keep everything clear you know where krishna is you know where guru is you know where your family is you know where your office is you know that's a game you play it's not forever we are here for a short time 
and then I have not. I my father was a big corporate guy. He's moved on, did done his business. He's at the verge of retirement. I still meet his old corporate friends from time to time, and all the politics they did now they laugh about it. They don't take it seriously, right? All this is transient. Was I able to ask a question? Perfect. So if, if I if I may rephrase it, so basically you're asking us to go deeper in our practices so that we don't get affected by the temporary situations what we are facing at the moment. Yeah. You see, very, very often people react out of panic. Arjuna was doing that. And Krishna basically, what in the, in the, in the, at the cusp of the biggest war of his life, battle of his life, Krishna said, Arjuna, be a yogi. So yogi means going deep. At the end of the day, I think, you know, anybody who has left a mark on this world is a yogi in one form or another. I mean, Einstein is a great jnana yogi. And he's realizing aspects of Brahman. Uh, thank you. I think Prabhu had a point. Yes. <coughs> I think you said uh, you went to University of Chicago. Hmm. Uh, I'm wondering uh, if Wendy Doniger was there at the time and if you have any comments on her. And then also, what was your dissertation on? Oh. <laughs> That was unanticipated, but I will reply. Um, Wendy Doniger was the chair of my dissertation committee, of my PhD committee. <clears throat> and even though we disagreed on many, many things, and we argued like there is no tomorrow, she was the most welcoming and most broad-minded person I had met. And at the end of the day, she was the person who approved my dissertation on Bhaktivinoda Thakur. She was the person who approved my PhD thesis on Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And she has a habit of saying things that are not always palatable for everybody. But one thing she said is, you know, Vivekananda was great, but essentially he was telling people to be nice to each other. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a real intellectual. You know, to get that comment from her mouth is quite something. And I am actually deeply grateful. And I also realize that as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, it is very important that we go and we study with whoever is our most powerful Purva Paksha. Srila Jiva Goswami went and studied in Benares. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at one point studied Vedanta, Advaita, and then he gave it up. So it is very important to understand if you consider somebody a Puru Paksha, what are they saying? You have to go and study with them, which is what I did. And I have, I was, you know, I was allowed to blaze my own trail, and uh, she was very helpful. She never stopped me from anything. She you know, did her own, uh, her own thing. And after I got my first job at uh, Michigan, Grand Valley State University, I invited her to give a talk. And during her talk, she mentioned that uh, Abhi, that's what she called me, has been a student who has asked me the most amount of questions, you know, has been the mo one of my most stubborn, most questioning students. And when it was my time to respond, I said, I take that as a compliment. And it is the nature of Sanatana Dharma to allow these kind of broad discussions, without which we wouldn't have a Charvaka, we wouldn't have a Buddha, we wouldn't have a Wendy Donegal. Right? So, that's my, I know this is a very specific question, uh, the, the details are probably lost on a lot of people, but it's a good question, I want to honor that. Thank you. Are there any other questions? Yes, please. You, you talked about um, when uh, Bhakti Siddhanta, his, uh, his father and his spiritual master had both uh, passed away and he went into the forest to, um, to chant a billion names of Krishna. 
So I was wondering at that time, before he went to do that, was, I don't know if I'm saying this right, was he, you could say, liberated or he wasn't at that level yet because of what happened and he hadn't chanted those one billion names yet? Like, was he a, was he a pure devotee or it took more time uh, after that? In my humble understanding, Saraswati Thakur is a Nitya Siddha. He's an eternally pure, liberated pure devotee. And the holy names are something you chant even when you're liberated. The holy names are the way and they are the end. So just because somebody is chanting one billion names doesn't mean that they are becoming liberated. It is, he could chant one billion names because he was liberated. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, yes, one, one last question. really a question, but I was thinking that Acharya means one who sets the example, hmm. shows them. So, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati taking up the mission but chanting all those rounds first is also showing us how important it is to chant the holy names to accomplish anything. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day, the holy names contain everything. It is, this, it is like a seed out of which a tree comes about. The form of the Lord, the qualities of the Lord, the activities of the Lord are all in the holy name. Right? We see with us Sri Sri Adasyam Shundar. We know that they were separated but we keep them together. And one beautiful meaning of the holy names, that when we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, it represents union. And Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare, it represents separation. So just by chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, we are actually meditating on these two sides of the highest form of love. And from that everything comes. Right? So, uh, Saraswati Thakur went deep before he went out. Thank you. Thank you once again. I will not keep you waiting longer. There is wonderful, sumptuous, delicious prasad waiting outside. Hare Krishna.